You were kicked out? Yeah. Your family? Oh, we're recording, folks. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you didn't say that. You'll get edited out. Drowning is a serious concern. It's particularly a concern for the black community. Why is that? And what could be done about that? We have Trish Miller of Swim Kids in our studio today to help prevent drowning, particularly children who are black. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the Georgia Podcast, featuring the who's who and what's new in Georgia. Made possible in part by... Global Podcast Studios, offering podcast studio rentals, production, and distribution. Visit globalpodcaststudios.com. And by our friends at Serendipity Labs, co-working, private offices, and more. True inspiration at work. Learn more at serendipitylabs.com. Now join Rich Casanova, broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta and worldwide across the PBC syndicated networks. Hello, this is Artie Ruderman, co-hosting or actually substituting for Rich Casanova, and welcome to Georgia Podcast. And today our guest, Trish Miller from Swim Kids, is the CEO and founder. Trish has spent pretty much most of her career in the health industry mm -hmm. and uh, some very impressive uh, uh, education degrees, College of William Mary, Public of, of Health from Emory, uh, Public Health from Emory. Um, what is 2019 Spanx? Sarah Blakely Foundation resident. That sounds impressive, too. Great. Yeah, Artie. So I will first thank you just for the opportunity to, to come on and just tell you more about this issue that plagues our community. Um, so you've given a little bit of my background. So I hail from Virginia. Um, so I went to the University of Virginia undergrad, um, where I then went to the College of William and Mary, got a MBA, came here to Atlanta, got in master's in a master's in public health um and what you just mentioned is i was awarded as a, one of several women fellows um, that was awarded a sarah blakely residency program where sarah blakely who's the owner um, and creator of spanx um, hand selected um, women entrepreneurs that she wanted to personally work with and sew into and um, allow us an opportunity to launch our businesses that's amazing. Yeah, thank you. So when did you start Swim Kids? So Swim Kids was started um, in 2017. Uh, we're so excited that with that journey, um, we've built partnerships along the way, and it's actually allowed us to celebrate our very first splash of children, which is where children will, will finally get a chance to get in the water. Um, Dunbar Elementary, that's right here in the, the heart of Atlanta, um, is a Title I public school um, with the Atlanta Public School District. They are the recipients of of a gift from our individual donors. 30 children will receive free swimming lessons and water safety instruction. Um, and we will be providing those lessons actually at King Middle School, where they have a pool on site. They are one of King's cluster elementary schools. Now, you say Swim Kids started in 2017. It did. But the vision for it, let's say, actually started with your own personal incident. That is so true, Artie. Thank you for, for bringing that up. So when I was 19, um, I 
thought that I knew everything as every 19-year-old does. Um, and I grew up in an area, rural part of Virginia, where um, though we were close to the beach, swimming and going to the water and, and um, going to the beach was just not something that was in my culture. Um, my mother is in her mid-70s. I've never even seen her in a bathing suit. And we grew up literally 30 minutes from the beach. Wow. Um, so I did not know the water, but my friends that I went on spring break uh, with to a to a pool into to the ocean front, they were going to teach me how to swim. So though several times throughout my life, friends were going to teach me how to swim. I had a belief when I was 19 that this one was going to be different. And so they showed me a few things in the water. I felt strong. I felt that I learned how to swim just from that 15 minutes that they showed me some some things in the water. And I jumped in the deep end to be like my friends, and I was not ready. You were in a pool. I was in a pool, Mm -hmm. jumped in the deep end of the pool, did not know how to tread water, um, and learned very quickly that's one of the most essential uh, skills that you need to have in the water. Um, Super scary. And I will never forget that experience. And from that experience, it took me out of the water for a very long time. And in telling my story as I got older and having children of my own, I saw that this was not a very unique story. Um, it's a story that a lot of black people, a lot of black females especially, um, have. And it unfortunately has created the current state of drowning rates that we experience today in our communities. And what, what are the core reasons for that? The core reasons actually stem from Jim Crow and segregation. Um, It's something that we don't think about, but it did happen in many of our lifetimes um, where uh, black families, black children were not afforded the opportunity or access to public pools. Um, We've seen the stories. We've seen the photos of um, pools being cemented over when segregation ended or uh, bleach being poured into um, pools because a black person got into it. Those kind of things created an attitude that it wasn't for us, that it was for them. And so this skill of learning how to swim then skipped generations of people of where um, they weren't, they literally didn't have the skill set to pass down to their children. So many, if you ask them, hey, how did you learn how to swim? Some people can't even think about it because it was second nature. They learned from a family member. They learned from you know, a parent or a grandparent. And it was just something that they did. They go on vacations together. They go to pools. They go to beaches. And that's not most common um, lead the experience where um, a lot of our grandparents, a lot of our parents didn't have that knowledge to be able to pass to us. And so, unfortunately, our first experience in the water sometimes is a traumatic one. Similar, similar to mine, or someone is thrown into the water or where how my brothers, I'm the baby of three, I have two older brothers. My father, I'm going to air quote, taught my brothers how to swim by throwing them into a lake. That's where a lot of a lot of black boys, a lot of black men have shared anecdotally. That's been the story of them learning how to swim. Well, that's not really learning how to sw- how to swim. That's literally sink or swim. That's learning how to survive. swim or sink. <laughs> yeah, and not how not to drown. Um, and so that's not the experience that we want to continue to pass. We want children to learn in a safe space. We want them to 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 learn by people that also look like them and have the representation in swimming. Um, and that's really what Swim Kids aims to do by our focus on Title I schools, um, 
in areas where children just most commonly either can't afford, don't have the access to, or parents don't prioritize it in the same way as they may other things. So we want to reinforce that it is a life-saving skill, and it's not something that we can continue to um, put off because the statistics certainly state otherwise. Well, I, I can certainly understand that, and, and let's face it, if, if it's an inner-city situation, there isn't much access to a pool Absolutely. to begin with, Absolutely. and if grandfather never bothered or learned to swim, it's right. Probably his son didn't and the grandson henceforth didn't. So, uh, you know, if, if, if your family skis and they take you skiing, you learn to ski, right? Right, absolutely. But if it's not, as you said, it, it, it's not in the culture, it, it's not going to happen. And so now they grow up and, and all of a sudden they're, they're near a pool and they see other people in it and they say, hey, yeah. I, I, like you, I can do that. Right, <laughs> right. And you just jump in. But just, to, j- just with my background in public health, um, I, I do think it's important because the numbers speak, right? So um, the CDC has reports out that every single day a child, three children actually, three children drown from a drowning-related death. That's horrible. Three children drown every day. But what we also don't hear is, number one, 70%, nearly 70% of black children don't know how to swim. And of those statistics, 10 black children drown 10 times that of white children. These are middle school-aged black children drowning 10 times that of white children. That is a public health crisis. I would say so. Public health is all about prevention, and the way you prevent these drownings is to teach them how to swim, and that's what we focus on. We are a school-based program. We did not make up this model. There are states that have these similar programs, and they experience drowning rates half of those states that don't, so they're tried and true. They work. We transport the children during the school day to local pools teach them introductory swimming lessons, and then give the families an opportunity to keep them in swimming. Um, We take it a step beyond um, traditional programs in that we also invite the families because, as we already stated, the families more than likely don't know how to swim as well. And mothers tend to keep their children, mothers especially. I am a mother of two, so I know I can say this on behalf of the mothers. Um, we tend to keep our children away from things that we're afraid of, and then we find that as a way to protect them. And in this case, the way to best protect them is to teach them and to expose them to an environment that they just maybe haven't, ex- have, haven't had experience in before. You know, I'm I'm thinking about environments that they haven't had experience before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're talking about pools, but the ocean and, the ocean. and lakes are, are completely, I mean, right. uh, if it's one thing to learn how to swim laps in a pool, it's right. another thing to learn about riptides. Right, right. And so that's where our, our water safety programming encompasses all of that. Um, one of the reasons we, we bring that into the water safety part of our programming, but we focus on teaching them in pools because in Atlanta, we are somewhat landlocked. And so though they may experience ocean fronts and lakes um, on vacation, they more commonly will expose themselves or get exposed to pools. Right. So we certainly right. want to make sure that they know how um, – to navigate all waters, um, but for us, our focus really is on. Pools. Well, it's the safest environment it to is. start. Yeah, right. I definitely. mean, your circumstances. I was scratching my head, going, <laughs> "Well, while you jumped in, did anybody <laughs> notice?" 
I was 19. So you do things <laughs> when you're 19. But yes, fortunately, my friends did notice they were there because they were egging me on to do the thing. And then they had to come and grab me out. So I'm grateful <laughs> that they were there and I am still friends with them today. Um, however, it just wasn't the best way to, to experience uh, water. And we just really want to make sure that we can change that for others. Um, we ask for support for this program. It, and I want to say that the city of Atlanta um, has been extremely supportive um, of this program in that they've given us access to the natatoriums um, where wow. we can actually transport children yeah. in the APS school district mm-hmm. to their pools. Um, and we not only then transport them, but we issue a warm handoff between our program, Swim Kids, and the city so that those children can continue lessons with the city if they so choose. So if I can uh, get an idea of the scale, right, um, you've started in 2017. Yeah. And uh, to date, uh, how many students have you and what are the goals in the future that you're uh, gearing you up to? Yeah. So our first launch is next week with Dunbar Elementary. Um, that is 30 children that we're going to get into the water for that very first time. Um, since that time, though, we have a relationship with DeKalb County. Department of Youth Services of where we are planning to roll in three additional schools within DeKalb County to be able to give swimming lessons to them as well. We have a very, very aggressive goal of getting 1,000 children introductory swimming lessons um, during the academic year and over the summer. And we have a lot of partners to be able to do that. So we're, we're so excited. And it is a big goal. We know that. But it's an important one. Well, I'm, I'm glad to have you here and, and to put your cause on our network and for you to repurpose and, and upload it to your website. Thank you. Um, because that's what, that's what needs to be done. Um, but I also see that uh, you do TED Speaks. I have um, had an opportunity, a, a great opportunity, to do a TED Talk um, here in Atlanta um, where I was able to really talk, to talk about this exact topic. And to change our thinking around swimming as being recreational. It is not just recreational. It is a life-saving skill. And so that mm-hmm. in and of itself brings about a prioritization that has to happen. It's not something that we can continue to put off and continue to wait on. Um, I want to talk, though, more so about the research as to why it's so important. And, and, to, and we've mentioned segregation, Jim Crow, those kind of things as being some of the reasons that have created the statistics that we see today. But, however, there's a there's a 2010 um, report that was done uh, by the U.S. Uh, swimming organization, and it stated three main barriers that keep black children and their families um, from learning how to swim and being proficient swimmers. Um, we're addressing all three. Um, the first of the first two um, is access to pools, and we saw sure. that by getting the children to the pools during the school day. It's the cost of the lessons, um, where our individual donors, corporate sponsors, um, fully fund these lessons, so that's not even a burden that the parent has to worry about, and it's not a burden on the school system. We completely transport them and cover their lessons for free. But one of the barriers that the report um, uh, brought to light, which a lot of women know, um, is hair maintenance. So for a lot of black children and black females especially, um, 
getting into a chemically filled body of water is so damaging um, and such a pain point for our hair in that it prevents us from getting in the water as often as we want to or having our children get into the water as often as they want to. So just to bring you into that a little bit. So um, (laughs) with my TED Talk, I did talk about um, having a 13-year-old daughter. Mm -hmm. um, And she does have some very thick hair. And she wanted to get into the water. She wanted to even swim for her swim team. And thick, curly hair can take a long time to do. So we have at least a minimum of three hours to wash, detangle, style her hair. That is not something that you want to do every day. So even though she wanted to enjoy the water, mommy just did not have the time or the energy to do that hair every day. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful and it's thick. But there wasn't anything currently on the market to give her the hair protection that she needed, to give her the freedom to be able to to enjoy the water like she wanted. And so you mentioned Sarah Blakely um, and that fellowship. Um, What I didn't say to you earlier is that has allowed me to move beyond just my experience in public health to actually develop a product that will protect my daughter's hair, my hair, and other women's hair or men um, who want to enjoy the water with regularity and not have to worry about their hair either getting wet or damaged by the chemicals. So it is the first fully waterproof swimming cap that's designed to keep your hair dry while you enjoy the water. We have a technology that we've patented, that's patent pending, um, that allows you to be able to do this. So you put the cap on, you enjoy the water, you take the cap off, and you can go to work. Or you can go wherever you were going to go before. And thinking about your hair before enjoying the water is no longer an issue. So that has been amazing, an amazing journey that's taken someone that has a public health background into the world of product development and um, being able to solve a pain point that many, many have. Um, and we did get an opportunity to, to talk about that on the TEDx talk as well. You know, you used the word amazing, and I was holding off saying that's what I love about doing this show <laughs> is I'm meeting amazing people that do amazing things. <laughs> Well, thank you, Artie. <laughs> but it's great. We we do plan to launch that product. Um, it's The scheduled date is mid-2020. And having a, a granddaughter who has beautiful hair, um, <laughs> I would imagine that it really could be marketed to anyone. It is marketed to, it will be marketed to those who want to keep their hair dry while they enjoy the water. Um, it was born out of a particular pain point that, that myself and my sure. daughter had. Mm-hmm. Um, however, really, it is hair protection while you're enjoying the water. Mm-hmm. So. And is there something be, other than the, you mentioned Spanx, is it other than the material itself, is there anything unique about it style-wise that all of a sudden might create a new look, if you yeah, will? Yeah, yeah. So Spanx has definitely been um, instrumental in the design and the development. However, we are not a, we're not a Spanx product. So... Um, They've been instrumental. However, this is this is a product that we own and that we've developed, mm-hmm. and they've they've given resources and mentorship. the 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 key factor of this particular product is the technology that creates the barrier that keeps the water out. Mm-hmm. So, caps that are currently on the market, yes, are waterproof because they're silicone and they're latex, so water cannot yeah. penetrate. Right. However, the issue that we have is water seeping through the hairline. This particular cap is a fabric based cap, so that allows those with thick 
or more uh, hair that has more volume to be able to easily put it over hair and it to stretch to the to the point that they need, as well as there is a barrier that adheres to keep the bear to keep the water off of your hair and out of your hairline. And it protects your edges so you don't have to worry about edges being pulled or anything like that. And it allows you to more easily get a swimming cap on. You, I should, had, you should see the dance that I have when getting a, a swimming cap on my hair or my daughter's hair, and, and it's not very pretty. So this fabric-based uh, waterproof fabric allows us to get the cap on and off very easy and allows us to protect our hair while we're enjoying it. I had no idea that this conversation would be <laughs> It just went all kinds of directions already. <laughs> but, you know, I, I also see uh, you're in, you were recognized by the Georgia Senate for your work for reducing drowning in, in your community, yeah. which is a wonderful thing. I, I belong or I was uh, recently appointed to the board of a, a nonprofit uh, auditory verbal center, mm. which has to do with um, teaching children who are deaf or seriously hard of hearing mm-hmm. how to hear and how to interpret sound and, and how to speak fluently. Mm. And, of course, somebody might say, well, how can a deaf person hear? Mm-hmm. There are devices that allow them to do that, but it takes speech and hearing therapy to do that. Mm. The reason I'm mentioning it, because I see with the Senate, we have to kind of think outside just funding and you know getting people involved. Right. It, it really needs, uh, like, for instance, um, it should be about $400 a lesson, for the therapy an hour. Mm-hmm. I think Medicare or Medicaid or Medicare gives $64. Oh. Right? Yeah. Okay. So you see where I'm There's going with gap. that. Yeah. So I was just wondering, you know, what you were doing, and I know what I need to do mm-hmm. to start lobbying mm-hmm. insurance companies, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, pharmaceutical companies, mm-hmm. medical health institutions, right. and of course the government right. to kind of change things. Are you working on that angle? We are. Um, what we want um, is similar to what other states have of where it is policy for children to learn how to swim before they are able to matriculate ah. to higher grades. That would be the win for us. So that would that be would, through the school system per se? That would be our state recognizing this as a priority and asking our school board to make it mandatory. Okay, so it would be through the school mm-hmm, board. Mm-hmm, making it mandatory for our students to learn how to swim before they're able to go on. So Minnesota, for example, is one of the states that it's policy that the children must learn how to swim before they're able to go to higher grades. Great program. Yeah, um, and that's yeah. that's why their drowning rates are very different from ours. Um, Georgia is one of the highest in the southeast. That's awful. And for us being so landlocked, that that is even sadder um, <laughs> that, that we have those types of statistics. Really, yes. we're second only to Florida. Um, oh, that is bizarre. Yeah, yeah. And so, again, all preventable. Um, and but the 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 Senate did recognize the work and what we are wanting to do and what we are working with the city to implement. So the support has been great. Um, I was also in another fellowship and residency program that we didn't mention earlier called the Center for Civic Innovation, which was really, really the catalyst for a lot of this work being um, started. Um, that I do. And so um, I was awarded a fellowship through them. And it was through that fellowship that my work was able to um, 
really be elevated um, and for me to be able to get the um, attention of a Sarah Blakely um, so that she also yeah. could see yeah. um, the work that I'm doing. So right. there's been a lot of support within our local community. Um, there's been a lot of support within the school system um, for this type of program for their students. It's just a matter of someone needs to do it. And so that's us. <laughs> and so we're doing that. Um, and we're we're taking up the torch to show um how we can change these numbers and we're data we're a data driven society and so showing that the numbers actually can change hopefully will be what allows our state to see that this does need to be policy what what i'm going to do for auditory verbal center Mm -hmm. is you know we could only keep asking the circle of support so many times you can go to the well right and and the reason i'm mentioning this just a suggestion for you as well Mm -hmm. what i really want to do is create a list of the skill sets that we need in order to market ourselves appropriately right and then ask for volunteers to join an advisory council Mm -hmm. and the reason i'm saying this is the more people you get involved you have their networks and it just grows exponentially. That is so true, Artie. And we need those advocates. We absolutely need those advocates. What we need are people to tell their stories. We have a section on our website of where we feature um, everyday people to just tell their swim story. Um, Tell Mm -hmm. how you learned how to swim or if you had a traumatic um, experience or if you had a great experience and you've passed that along to your children. We want people to tell their stories so that others can, can see that in themselves and do something about it. We want them to get involved in this. We want them to support us. Um, we want we it's holiday season. And so um, if you have if you work for a corporation and your corporation is looking for gifts, please think of child drownings and think of ways to send money to swim kids so that we can give these free lessons to the children that need it most. And remind them it's got to get it in before the end of the year to lower their tax base, right? Why not now? Go to swimkids.com and you can donate there. You know, you just got ahead of me. I was going to ask, how would they contact you? I'll be happy to repeat that, Artie. <laughs> and, and please do, and we're going to wind down. Great. So so thank you, for everybody, for listening. But please do visit our website at swimkids that, swimkids.com, and that's actually spelled with an E. So it's S-W-E-M-K-I-D-S.com. And follow our social media at swimkids on IG, on Twitter, and Facebook, please. S-W-E-M-K-I-D-S. You know, I know listeners out there are going, how could S-W-E-M be swim? And I think I'm going to ask you to tell them why. Well, we we wanted to pay homage to um, those that didn't have the same opportunity to learn how to swim. And so Swahili um, is the language of choice for swim and in, in it's spelled S-W-E-M in Swahili. And so we wanted to add that to our name to just pay homage to those that, that didn't learn. Thank you. Thank you so much, Artie. Enjoyed having you here. <laughs> Likewise. So this is Artie Rudiman substituting for Rich Casanova on Georgia Podcast. And I remind you that Georgia Podcast Studios is a voice for the Alpharetta Chamber of Commerce. Goodbye. On behalf of the Pro Business Channel, we thank you for listening to the Georgia Podcast, featuring the who's who and what's new in Georgia. 
Made possible in part by Global Podcast Studios, offering podcast studio rentals, production, and distribution. Visit globalpodcaststudios.com. And by our friends at Serendipity Labs, co-working, private offices, and more. True inspiration at work. Learn more at serendipitylabs.com. Join Rich Casanova for the next Georgia podcast and download on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more.